When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For all the research we've done over the last decade plus, try to figure out the habits of happy versus unhappy retirees, all signs continue to point towards the importance of having some sort of major life purpose well beyond your working years. Mix that in with a little bit of fun and we get something we call core pursuits or hobbies on steroids. These are passions that you have And the list is technically endless to choose from. In honor of March Madness this year, we actually did a Core Pursuits March Madness bracket, 64 different Core Pursuits, all seated, one through 16, four regions squaring off to make it to the final four to crown a champion Core Pursuit. We still don't know what that will be. You can find that on our Facebook page, the Retire Sooner Facebook page. And our Instagram through the Retire Sooner podcast. Comment and vote on your favorite core pursuits. Voting's open now. Don't count out matchups like gardening versus pickleball. Ooh, what a matchup. Exercising versus church. Two core pursuit heavyweights. And a battle between two dark horses, skydiving versus pottery. We'll see how long they make it in the tournament. But the point here is that we always want to be on the lookout for what our next core pursuit is. Unhappy retirees have less than two core pursuits. Happy retirees, on the other hand, report 3.6 core pursuits. Almost four versus less than two. Huge difference between the happy and the unhappy retiree camp. More core pursuits is better. And we should always be on the lookout to find a new one that might start out slowly, but become one of your hobbies on steroids for the next decade or more. And if you're like my dad, you've got a dozen or more of these at any given time. So what we're talking about today is finding and cultivating those core pursuits long before you become a happy retiree. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. Unhappy retirees average only 1.9 core pursuits. I look at that number as less than two because it is. Happy retirees average 3.6 of these core pursuits. I look at that as almost four. So four for the happy group and less than two for the unhappy group. And there's a statistically significant correlation between happiness levels. More core pursuits, higher probability of ending up being a happy retiree, less core pursuits, higher probability of becoming or staying or being an unhappy retiree, which is the camp that we all want to avoid. 
Question is, how the heck do you figure all these things out? I'm reminded of one of our earlier podcasts a year or so ago that really still sticks with me today. And that was an interview with a guy named Tom Vanderbilt who wrote a book called Beginners, The Joy and Transformative Power of Lifelong Learning. The theme here is that Tom recognized that as we age, we skew closer and closer to the things that we've learned as kids that we are already good at. So let's say you're really athletic as a kid, you end up doing hiking, biking, running, walking, tennis, you name it. But because that's what you gravitated towards, things like art or music or anthropology, history, anything that's not athletically based never really gets a shot because the door gets closed on all those things. We don't want to be beginners when we're adults particularly when we get into retirement. I'm 60-something. I can't start something brand new. But if you're a kid, everything you're doing is new. You're a beginner all the time, whether it has to do with learning chess or surfing or some sort of athletics or the study of anthropology or history. It's all new, and you're a beginner in everything. The whole point of Tom's book, Beginners, is that if we were able to captivate and channel that same thought as a kid that I'm not going to not try something just because I haven't learned that I'm not good at it yet opens us up to a much larger palette of core pursuit opportunities as we age. Curiosity killed the cat. The lack of curiosity kills the happy retiree. So whether it is taking our adult hat off of, oh, I'm not going to be good at that, and think of yourself as a beginner for your entire life and being okay with that. Or just having this insatiable sense of curiosity about what we're going to learn next. All of that plays into being really good at cultivating and keeping a, this large quiver of different core pursuits as we evolve over time. I think part of how I even came up with the concept around core pursuits and then started researching and asking the question, how many core pursuits do you have? What are your core pursuits? What are your top core pursuits? And then looking at the happy group versus the unhappy group in our research maybe came from my dad. Growing up as a veterinarian and growing up on a farm, a small farm, it's not like we had a combine and 110 dairy cows. We had a couple of horses, chickens. Today, to this day, he has pigs running around, chickens, horses, and then I would call a pretty massive garden. And then a horse field that he's got to mow and maintain. So let's call it a small, let's call it a gentleman's farm. But at the same time, he's got a work shed where he can do woodwork and blacksmithing, which we'll talk about in a second. My stepmother has an entire pottery studio off of the main workshop. In the barn that he built, the whole upstairs is a music studio and fencing, as in foil, epe, saber studio. And then, of course, he has the outside, which is a garden that takes up a little bit or a lot of time almost every single day, maybe except for the winter. And as a child, I remember as hard as he worked, and there were weeks I, I know that he worked 70, 80 hours a week. He was always in go mode, probably more than I am 
as a as an adult where even though he might work this long work week, he would still get up and this part of this might go back to just being on a farm. He grew up on a horse farm at one point. I think they had like 30 horses, but there's just always so much to do, whether it's taking care of the animals, fixing fences, taking care of the property, fixing things, building walls, repairing walls, taking care of farm equipment. There's always so much to do. It almost put this eternal motor in my dad, I think, that translated in all these other things. And as I grew up, I watched him work, but also have all of these other things that he lived for. There was a phase that we had for three or four years that I remember really, it was a really fun phase as a kid where I was probably 12 and my little brother, my brother was 10, where we would mountain bike and he became a mountain biker. He'd never really done it before. He had a friend of his that was a big mountain biker. We went on a couple mountain bike rides. We all loved it as a family. And we did that all the time for, for years. To this day, he still rides his bike. He doesn't really mountain bike anymore at age 70 plus, but he still rides his bike around. There's a place in Pennsylvania called the Laurels, which is this beautiful area that they'll ride horses to. They'll ride bikes near and he still gets out and about. And it's something that he didn't do, picked it up in his, let's call it thirties and still does some version of that to this day. Here's a letter to he wrote after contemplating retirement, by the way, for half a decade. We talked about this for maybe an entire decade or so. When to sell the practice, when to do something new. And then it took a lot of years to sell his practice. He wanted to have someone buy it and keep it private as opposed to sell to one of these big veterinary companies. So it took a while to find that person. And here's a letter he wrote to his client base called a several thousand families that he took care of their dogs and cats for years. And again, this is a letter from my dad to his clients. I must admit that I approach this change of life as we all are going to go through these changes of life, particularly as we hop into retirement with mixed emotions. While stepping away from veterinary medicine is hard, as many of you know, I have a few other interests that I look forward to pursuing. And this is where he goes on this list. Geology, Civil War medicine, fencing, leatherwork, fox hunting, trail riding, woodworking, sewing, traveling through time with historical reenacting. Being from Pennsylvania near Valley Forge, they have Revolutionary War reenactments right there. And then this is one I never participated in, but there was actually pirate reenacting as being in Southern, Southeastern Pennsylvania, not all that far from the coast of Maryland. You go down to the Chesapeake Bay and you dress up as a pirate. Music, guitar, singer, songwriter, art, cooking, cowboy poetry, which is really like, it's essentially a version of country music. And not until his late, late 60s did he ever go and perform on stage with his guitar and sing songs that he wrote in his 20s. And I look through this list and I think about all these different things this guy still does to this day. I maybe raise an eyebrow on this geology. I, I don't know how much he really does geology, but he's a guy that would admittedly tell you that he loves rocks. We had a creek slash river on our property growing up. 
And for some reason, there were they're just it, full of rocks. And I remember we would, and this is something that I could could not. It was brutal as a kid. I said, "This is not something like I, this is not something I remember enjoying." But we'd go park a truck down by the river and pull these big rocks out of this creek. And it would take like the entire day. We'd load up an entire truck, drive the truck up, and then we'd use those rocks to build rock walls. And he would admire rocks. Now, did he study geology? I don't know if he really did. But to this day, he'll he'll say, well, you look at that rock and look what's inside of that rock. And you see the formica that's coming. This is a guy that actually loves geology. Not something that I picked up, but I have an appreciation for it. For those out there that are cooks, I'm the one in the family that gets made fun of as like the worst cook. And it comes from my dad, who I'm not going to say he's the best cook in the world, but he's the most adventurous cook in the world. It's like living in an episode of uh, an Anthony Bourdain episode when, when I go home to this day. He'll do Asian dumplings and Tex-Mex and medieval food. All in like one weekend. What's medieval food? I don't know. Cornish game hen and pork-filled dumplings that you would get at a Thai or Chinese restaurant. It's almost as though he's so adventurous from a food perspective. And again, a lot of this comes from the garden too. That I'm not going to say any of it or all of it is gourmet, but at least it's adventurous. I remember as a phase as a teenager or maybe young, young adult in my dad's most, let's say, adventurous food phase, I would always eat a big meal right before I went to his house. Dad, this is great. Maybe just one dumpling. Maybe just I'll maybe I'll just try a little bit of this over here. Eel. We would go from he would drive to Philadelphia, go to the Italian market, and then I guess it's the Chinese market or the Asian food market in Philadelphia. And he would come home with like a bag of eels. That's a bridge too far for me to cross. Luckily, I ate at my mom's house in Westchester. It was already pretty full. But the adventurous side of him, when it comes to just the kitchen, goes to all these other areas. And it created, cultivated this long list that today I look at this and I kind of laugh geology, woodworking. He, he would build half of our furniture as a kid. And we would spend hours down in the shop until one day a table saw blade flew off in midair and shot and rocketed 30 feet and stuck in the wall, almost like a Chinese throwing star. And my mom found that out. I think that was the last time she let me go down to the shop. Would have literally like sliced an, a, a giant, caverned through someone's head if it had hit them. Woodworking, living on a farm, comes with some danger. He continues in the letter, I also look forward to spending more time with our family, four grown children, and eight growing grandchildren. And now I think he's up to like almost a dozen since he wrote this letter a few years ago. And then supporting his wife, Anne, which is his second wife, my stepmom, with her interest in pottery and equine pursuits, which she still does to this day. She's got actually a really cool pottery 
shop and makes Christmas presents. We get these really cool bowls and cups and mugs all handmade for Christmas. And if you're listening, I'd love to get another set. So I may be biased because he's my, my dad, but I do, I really love this letter. Luckily, I got a copy of it. I, I think I just must have been on his veterinary mailing list and everybody got this letter. And I thought, this is somebody who knows how to do core pursuits. Luckily for him, he, he sold his veterinary practice right before COVID. So went into this world of lockdown. So didn't get to see his children and grandchildren as much, particularly that first year. But I think he enjoyed COVID more than anybody I know. And if you go back a couple of years, he just spent tons of time riding and gardening and working on the farm and doing all these things he listed in this letter. To this day, when we go back, when I go back to visit him in Pennsylvania, we go up to the barn in the studio. We play music as a family. He's a guitar player. He's got an old keyboard up there for me to play. And it's, it's really a wonderful thing to be able to do. Full disclosure, I am affiliated with Capital Investment Advisors, which is a full service and a fee-only financial planning and investment management firm in Atlanta and Denver and Tampa and Phoenix or wherever you are. And if you'd like to take your retirement planning or retire sooner journey to the next level, Capital Investment Advisors would love to help. You can find our team and schedule a time to chat right at yourwealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R wealth.com. Now, I wanted to bring in producer Mallory because Mallory and I have spent a lot of years talking about core pursuits and trying to figure out ways to help early retirees and any retirees once they've gotten their financial foundation set. Then we're going to make sure they've got plenty of core pursuits. Mallory, I know this has been a long, fun challenge for us, but it's something that we, work, we still work on all the time. It's true. And it's so fun. I think one of my favorite things is hearing from um, listeners, readers, anybody who comes to our office and just hearing about how their favorite core pursuits and hearing from them on how understanding how important core pursuits are, how they have purposefully put time and energy into maintaining or growing their core pursuits. Yeah. Just like investing. Again, the earlier we do it, the, the better we are at the muscle of continuing to cultivate core pursuits. And I don't think 3.6 is enough. I don't think four is enough. I think that the retirees that I know that are really good at this have at least a half a dozen that are, let's call it starters. And then you got another half a dozen on the bench that are always kind of ready to go in the game. That's fair. And I will say, as somebody who's really guilty of being a dabbler, like I love to like get in and try a lot of different things, but I don't always stick with it. I, uh, I love this idea that, you know, again, back to the beginnings, being okay with being bad at something and just uh, getting in and trying different things and having some things on the back. Are you bad at anything? Like, I, what's an example of something that you're bad at? Oh, playing piano in front of people. I will tell you right now, dude. I, I grew up taking piano lessons, Ooh. and I love it. Um, and I it was wonderful because it taught me to read music, which I use for singing. But mm -hmm. I am so bad. If I sit in front of somebody and try and play, I have terrible stage fright. Yeah, it is interesting. You're right. Even if you're – and this is something where as somebody that does the same thing or – playing music, if I'm pretty out of practice, I may have a song that I just, I know totally cold. And it's just different when there's like 20 or 10 people around Then you've got to make sure that it stays consistent. So people are singing and the words and you're like, wait, if I mess up. So yeah, if you're not well oiled, 
It's a totally different ball game where you're playing with people. Yeah, yeah. So and then I, when did you do this in front of people? Um, oh, just just any time I've like had folks over, you know, and they're like, "Oh, let's let's play something," and I'll be like, "Ah, uh, no, let's not." Mm. <laughs> I'm like, I, I like to tell people, I'm like, "Listen, this is this is just for me. <laughs> this one's just for me." You know, I, I maybe we're going off topic here, but I'm going to tell you this: the I made a. He, this is one thing that I tend to have done, and we did this. The, the Chris Stapleton concert was a couple weeks ago here in Atlanta, and people came over afterwards, and my family was my brothers were in town and people came over to play music or sing. And the problem when you get like 15 people in a room, nobody knows the same song. Oh, so you get like yeah. two or three people like, let's play this. Oh no, let's play that. Oh, let's play this. And then you get some people that can play it on, on one instrument. And I'm sitting there always trying to say, well, I'll just, whatever you decide to play, I'll just try to play along. But then again, if you've never played the song or haven't done it for five years, it's a little tough if you're not like a pro doing this all the time. So I decided after this session last month that I'm going to take a different approach to group music. Oh. So instead of going and saying like, here's the group, throw out your favorite song. I Googled like most fun songs to sing from the 80s and the 90s. Oh, this is a great plan. And just said, here are like, let's say a half a dozen songs that I'm going to know cold and that I know everybody likes. I love that. Hang on, hang on. You got to give me at least three or five. I just know everybody will like these songs and pretty much you kind of know how to sing them or just look them up quickly on your phone, right? Yeah, yeah. So here they are. Okay. Here's a, here's a couple of them that everybody just kind of knows. Now, some of these are older. Some of these are... Are new. Here's one that's like a, a guarantee. Free Fallen. Oh, yes. For sure. For so sure. So there's the Tom Betty version of that, which is good. Classic. And then there's the John Mayer version that's even a little bit better. Okay. That one's Same really words. beautiful. It yeah. is good. Yeah. So just, hey, here's what everyone will say. Oh, that's a great song. Yes. Right? Think of that scene in Jerry Maguire. Free Fallen. You hear it on the radio. Oh, it's a great song. Right? These all have to be that. Here's another one. Easy. Everybody knows it, but it never comes up. Jack and Diane. Oh, that is a fun one. Yeah. Easy to play, easy okay. to sing. Everybody knows it. Done. Yes, yes. Here's a modern one. Easy that everybody knows that you can just say, here's what we're doing, and everyone will jump right in. Sand in My Boots by Morgan Wallen. Oh, oh no. Hang on. Now you've lost me. I'm really? not. I know. I guarantee you would know this song if you played it. Probably. Um, I, I bet I could look up the lyrics really quickly. Oh, easily. Here's one. Guns N' Roses, Sweet Child of Mine. Yes! Everybody yes, loves that yes, song. That's Done, a great one. No dispute. Yeah, and you can like sing that one at the top of your lungs. And then that's where I get into some more gray territory. Have you ever seen The Rain with Willie Nelson? <laughs> Again, that is another classic. I think that's a great one. Most people kind of know it. And then Zach Brown, Colder Weather. Everybody knows oh, that. That's so, a but great it's not like a, like a fun party song is the thing. It's not yeah. like a, it's a little bit sad. It's true. Um, I'm just going to take this second to just say, if anyone listening has any other ideas of classic songs, please send them to us at westmoss.com. Go to that contact form. These need to be added ASAP. Thank you. <laughs> really, these are like the, the no-brainer list, right? All right. Let me go through a couple things here, then I will go through the 100 core pursuit list. We're not going to obviously go through all these, but I want to give some other examples and we get into some more nuanced core pursuits. But again, as a review, happiest retirees have 3.6 core pursuits, unhappy less than two. The top four core pursuits are, or here we go, travel, 
activities with family and grandkids. This gets what gets listed. Golf, tennis. Those are those are almost like tied for third. Super popular, and then volunteering. Those are all top four core pursuits for the happy group. And I mean, how how fun are all of those? Personally, like I love those. I think most people seem to. I think it's just a matter of maybe prioritizing your time and working on those things. Yeah, and some of these too, you can spend a ton of time. And here, here's the other thing when it comes to core pursuits. A hobby on steroids is not something you casually do. And I guess you can casually play tennis. Maybe I'm projecting here. But if you're a tennis player, you're on like a tennis team or a USTA team or a you're on some sort of club team and you're playing kind of throughout the year and it's a continue, it's something continually you do. And then you have socialization around it. There's a reason that a Danish study says that the sport that increases your longevity by almost a decade is tennis because it's athletic and it's, it's highly social golf is another one that you usually are not a casual golfer. If you're a casual golfer, you're not a golfer. But if you want to play golf every single month or every single week, and then of course I I know there's plenty, there are a lot of families that I work with that'll play golf multiple times per week and their spouses will play golf. That's a, somebody who's a golfer. That's a hobby on steroids. That's not just a passing once in a while. That's a true def, That is a great example of, of a hobby on steroids, a core pursuit. And golf is one of those things you have to dedicate a, about half a day to if you're going to play. It is a lot of time. It really is a lot of time. I think the world's got a little bit smarter on this, especially in my age group when everybody still has kids. I almost never even play 18 holes. I almost only play nine holes. That in itself is a good two, two and a half hour expedition. But that has allowed me to play golf. And, and, and I didn't start until almost, I, was, I think I was 38 when I started golf, which is pretty late to start. Yeah. But never too late to start golf. <laughs> there you go. Never, never too late to start anything. Actually, and you know, I know producer Marissa actually is big on golf, but she likes to play top golf primarily. Well, that's, that almost counts. That almost counts. <laughs> Golfers are going to have a I'm hard have, time with I'm that I'm going to have to talk to Marissa about that one. <laughs> but again, you're going to have your starters. You're going to have kind of your core, core pursuits. And then I think it's really important to have this bench where you are cultivating something new you're exploring you're you're saying look it's okay to be a beginner i'm going to try something new i'm going to listen to tom vanderbilt and i'm going to not worry that i don't think i should be good at that because i've learned as a kid what i'm good at and what i'm not good at that that needs to go out the window as we get older as we get into retirement we need to go back to saying it doesn't i'm 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 open to anything new because I never know what I start to do and cultivate might really blossom for me as a core pursuit. And this is why you want your imagination to run wild. This is why you want to unlock your creativity. This is why when you take down the walls of saying, I'm going to be good or not at this, it doesn't matter. We want you to just try it. And over many years, I would get this question. And I still get this question. Hey, what do I, I don't have a lot of these core pursuits you talk about is there like a good book on this or is there some something that can help me figure out and, and spark what these core pursuits are? And the answer is yes, of course. There's lots of books on creating and developing your passion. I get, again, Tom Vanderbilt's book is a really good version of that in my opinion, because it, 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 it's not just about what you should go try. It's not a big list of go surf, learn chess and start doing bonsai trees but it's, it's breaking down the mental blockage that we have on trying things that are new. But 
with that, we well, did. And actually, wait, before before we get to that, I do have to ask Wes, you know, we're coming up on the new year with 2023 and you're talking about learning and trying new things. What what core pursuit are you putting on your list? What are you going to try out next year? What are you adding to the bench? Hmm. You know, one thing, maybe this isn't brand new, but it was something that was on the bench for a while That's that's now a starter. And that's snowboarding. So when I was 16, I drove up to Camelback Mountain with a couple of friends of mine and had a terrible snowboard. And this is 30 years ago. Literally 30 years ago. This isn't going out west, right? This is the Poconos, right? And it was icy and there wasn't really a lot of snow. And I had a snowboard that I remember to this day had these rusty binding set. So think about like a screw inlay that you would screw your bindings into. But this is 30 years ago and the equipment wasn't very good. I think I had some crappy used snowboard and within like an hour or two, they popped off. And then I had to go put, get a bigger screw to try to make these bindings stay on and they broke again. And I, and I kind of learned, I remember being really sore. You fall on your butt over and over and over again the first day you snowboard. And I remember at least getting through that day. One more day, I kind of learned it. And then I never had a really good feeling about it. And it was, it's such a big deal to be able to go skiing and drive. And it's just a big deal, uh, particularly when you're a teenager. It just never happened again for me. I think I went one more Day, one more two or three day trip when I was in college and it was the same kind of thing. But wherever I went, the snow wasn't great. My board was terrible. It fell off. So I had this kind of bad taste in my mouth around snowboarding. My brother, my younger, one of my younger brothers moved to Los Angeles and lives near a place called Mammoth where they can drive. And it is a really cool ski mountain. I, I think it's in California or maybe right on the border. So Mammoth is this mountain four or five hours from LA my brother picked up snowboarding and because it's close enough and he was a grown up enough to be able to a afford it, B have vacation time to go do it kind of fell in love with it. And there were a couple of years there where he said, Wes, I think you really would love snowboarding if you ever did it again. So after 20 some years of not doing it and not remembering that I could do it all that well, we went on a ski trip out to park city and we had this amazing mountain that probably one run is the equivalent of 15 runs at Camelback. So imagine how much better you can get on a much bigger mountain. And I, after the first day, because I already had a foundation of it, snowboarding with my brother, it's one of these things you can do pretty quickly and really start to enjoy it. And I absolutely fell in love with it that day. And ever since then, it's probably been now several, it's been several years. I finally, I slowly over time bought my own snow stuff as opposed to borrowing it. I finally got my own bindings as opposed to borrowing my brother's board or renting board. And then just over Thanksgiving, I bought my first snowboard. Oh, this is so exciting. I know that's a long-winded answer to your to your question, but it, this is something, and, and we're going to, and I'll probably do some skiing in Michigan, which is a little bit more like going to Pennsylvania, not some, not giant mountains, but it's a place called Nubs Knob up there. That's a great name. It's a great name for a little ski hill. And I already signed my boys up for snowboard lessons. Oh, that's exciting. This is going to be over the holidays, but I, I want to be an unpsycho dad about any sports. I don't want to ever pressure them into anything, whether it's basketball, lacrosse, football. I, I want to stay really 
calm about that because they're not going to be they're not, they're not going to the NFL. But I will almost insist they learn to snowboard oh. this year. Because I because I know they will love it. They're going to hate it for the first day or two, and they're going to thank me after a very short period of time. So That's I have but I have three of my four boys already signed up for snowboard lessons and I insist that they learn because I know they're going to love it. Oh. Well, and on top of that, that'll be really fun because then in the future, hopefully you'll be able to go on like family trips with them, right? Which is another core pursuit you should be doing and to go snowboarding, which is something you'll hopefully all enjoy. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you the same thing. What do you have something new you're going to try this year? Ooh, uh, playing piano in front of people. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to do everyone a favor and continue to avoid that. Um, let's see. I, I want to, I've gotten into, this is such a, an old school thing, but I've gotten into knitting in the last couple oh of years. Oh my goodness, it sounds so old school. What are you, 85? I know, but it's kind of Knitting? Nice. I know, I know, but it's Are you wonderful. Amish? Maybe a little bit, probably in a past life. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I've gotten into knitting over the last couple of years. And you know why? It's because you can sit down and like watch a movie and I can't just like sit down and watch TV and not fiddle around on my You're phone. You're that restless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So it helps me to like have like like a little something else that I'm doing but I'm not necessarily staring at a, a second screen it's just one screen that's in the background or I could listen to an audiobook and do that I do really enjoy that imagine Mallory listening to an audiobook sitting down needle pointing having her phone out that's showing a needle point video yeah, which is a tutorial and she's watching Harry Potter all at the same time oh ideal <laughs> by the way we're gonna we're gonna that, that's on so if I go to this core pursuit list I just want to talk about a couple of these that's just interesting but I'll put down so needlepoint is already on here but knitting wasn't even on this list and I'll put needlepoint slash knitting it's a little bit artistic too. It is. I will say I've always leaned a little bit more on the artsy side of things because I think my athletic abilities are quite limited, to be honest. But I also, I just, I've always loved the more artsy things. Part-time work counts as core pursuits. And when you get into retirement, it is, again, one way to start cultivating core pursuits is to use your, your professional skills. So it may not be your same job, but it may be something that you end up doing it in a, a part-time way that, that you had learned from your original career. I actually remember when I was in college, I had an internship up at Lake Hartwell, which is like up on the, what is that? South Carolina, North South Carolina, Carolina border, South yeah. Carolina border. And, um, I worked with their chamber of commerce on some of their marketing campaigns. And they were really trying to push that their town had more than just the lake, which I don't necessarily agree with now, but <laughs> But you were there to make sure that people thought that there was more than the lake. Exactly, exactly. But I remember I worked with a guy there who he had just retired and he was like a marketing executive at Coca-Cola. So, and he was like, you know, knew what he was doing. He had like this huge background and he had retired to Lake Hartwell. And I think he was just looking for something probably to do and supporting and a great town. And he helped town. on this project. Yeah, yeah. And he was a very nice guy. Um, and I, I think that's a really great example of taking, you know, yeah. Uh, like a lifetime of skill that you've developed and then, you know, volunteering and like putting that knowledge to good use. Or you could get paid for it either way. That's not bad either. So I think I go down this list here. Some of these are, I'll just go down some of this list. So we've got uh, scrapbooking, book writing. That's a, that can be a really big multi-year project. Pickleball. Pickleball may be all of our destiny. Because <laughs> I think so. Even you're just saying you're not an athlete it's okay because pickleball is a mix between ping pong and tennis. And you could probably, even you, could probably very quickly play pickleball and love it. Probably. I've actually, that is on my to-try list because I think I would enjoy that. LeBron James just bought 
a major league pickleball team. What? Major league pickleball team. Who even knew that was a thing? So, Bill, here's some of the fans of pickleball. Kevin Durant, the basketball player. Oh, I know, yeah. I'm sure you know him because you're so into I sports. I actually think I have heard that name, though. I think he's a, he's a, he's a, um, a politi- political figure. No, yeah, hopefully not. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Durant. <laughs> oh, oh, no, Marissa's giving me the... Rookie of the year. <laughs> Marissa's over here dribbling a basketball. <laughs> political figure. He's a, a basketball player. Uh, Bill Gates, do you know what he does? I, I've heard about him, at yeah, least. <laughs> the Kardashians. Okay, listen this to that. This sport is supposed to grow to four point... Well, it's already grown to to almost five million people, and that was just as of 2021. Isn't it's, it one of the newest sports like around, too? I feel like it was just invented a few years ago. It's been around since the 60s, and there's a oh. lot of stories around what it was supposedly like just to some families in their driveway that put up a little net and called it pickleball because their dog was named pickles or whatever something yeah cute. well that's the cutest thing ever uh but it is the fastest growing sport in the country supposedly uh and according to the major league pickleball i guess association steve coon is the founder said that again that the league's newest investors expect the sport to reach 40 million pickleball players by 2030 wow wow well no wonder lebron james decided to go ahead and buy the team exactly bird watching stop me if any of these are, are you're loving any of these so let's, oh, i'm going to assume you're not you have not had your core pursuit picked out so i'm going to let you ping on one of these okay Bird watching, gambling, model trains, river cruises, sailing, marathons, camper road trips, interior decorating, water aerobics, shuffleboard, squash, racquetball, citizen patrol, firefighter, sculpting, antiquing. Just stop me when something interests you. Oh, I want to Learning hear a new this. instrument, learning new language, teaching, coaching, photography, farming, water polo, fox hunting. By the way, fox hunting is not an easy one just to pop into. Like you got to learn, you know, you have to learn how to know how to ride. You have to have a horse. You got to be an area where you can go fox hunting. Some of these are, some of these are, are bigger barriers to entry than others. Like, again, you can sit down and, and knit or needlepoint with some videos from YouTube pretty quick watching Harry Potter. But to get into something like fox hunting, that's kind of a whole nother level of commitment. Both wonderful things to though pursue. I kind of wonder if it's like, you know, if you know you love horses and you know you love being in the woods and I don't, I'm assuming like, you know, you take like what a shotgun or something. No, no, no. You're not actually killing any foxes. You're finding foxes in fox hunting. You go with like, let's say a group of 10 to 30 horses and riders. And then with a pack of fox hounds, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe 20, 30, 40 fox hounds and they're running with you. And they go and they find a fox and they go chase down the fox and you ride along with it. But no, 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 there's no guns in fox hunting. Oh, okay. I'm I'm even more into this now. That's like the, that's in the Northeast in in Georgia where we live. There's, when you think hunting, somebody's bringing a gun. Yeah. 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 On the note of core pursuits, I will tell you my, my boyfriend's a big hunter and it's been eye opening because you want to talk about a core pursuit. It's if he's not actively in the woods, he's like sitting at home watching YouTube videos about hunting and watching other people hunt. So he's like super into hunting. What does he hunt? What what kind uh, of 
animals does he like to kill? So it's currently deer season, and he likes to bow hunt. So he's been in the woods, and he already got a buck, which he's getting the um, the mount done. Sure, the head. Yeah, I'm a little concerned because, like, you know, like, if you get enough of those, it just feels like I, it takes up the whole house, right? Um, that's why That's why you see man, man rooms that have all the heads of the animals. You don't yeah. see them spread out throughout the house. Yeah. Usually it's like, hey, hey buddy. <laughs> let's keep that contained. Let's keep it to your room. Yeah. Get all the... The dead animals on the wall that you would like. But but look, I love the movie-making animal adoption. You could do so much just with animals. Oh, um, yeah. Actually, you know, and I think movie-making does sound like a lot of fun, too. I personally, I love the TikTok stuff, right? I love, like, watching, uh, creating Instagram reels and watching Instagram reels. Might get more into that. Mm. Here we go. On a scale of 1 to 10, I want you to give this core pursuit of your interest level. Oh, dear. I just thought of this because when you mentioned TikTok, I thought 1 in my head. Like, <laughs> that's that, a 1 and is, is 1, like, in, The worst. You definitely won't want to even try it. Oh, okay. 10 is like, oh, I'm doing that, like, tomorrow. All right. Quilting. Oh, I'd give it a solid 8. I would, I would definitely try that. It's one of those, but to your point with the fox hunting, I feel like to do quilting well, you need to have like a lot of different materials and you need to have certain skills. I see sets you as a modern up. day Betsy Ross. I, thank you. All right. Th this is like a lightning round. I would just gut reaction number, like your, your, your scale of whether you love it or don't. Okay. okay. So that's an eight. Gardening. 10. I already do that. I love it. Ding, 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 ding. S fishing. Eight, I, I definitely, I do fish a little bit. I will say, I don't do deep sea fishing a lot because I will get seasick, but like my family's got a little pond in the backyard and we'll like take like some poles down there. I don't, maybe eight is a strong one. I'll give it a five. Like it's not my favorite thing to do, but if people are down for it, like I'm, I'm happy to pick up a rod. Camping. Four. Church, choir, Bible study. I'm going to give that a nine. I, I'll give it an eight because I'm not actively participating in it, but I have in the past and I love it. And I love singing in a choir. I think is really great. Sound effects. Ah. <laughs> exactly. College football games. I'm going to give that an eight because I don't necessarily love the games, but I love tailgating. Really great at tailgating. If y'all want me to fix a little side dish, I can bring something. Crossword puzzles. Ten. I do that pretty much every day. Huh. I, I'm a one on that. Re uh, reading. Just books in general. Ten. I love reading. Yeah. Love reading. I mean, I, I read a lot. I don't, and I read like a wide variety. I'm actually in a murder mystery book club right now, so I read one of those once a month, hmm. um, or I at least try to. Sometimes I show up and I haven't read the whole book, uh, but it's very fun. It's funny. I would give that, I would almost give that like a two or three, but because I, my reading is always about the, the, the economy and the world. So I almost feel like it's all of my reading is almost like work reading. Yeah. Well, so actually but I okay, don't so ever do, I don't ever do like enjoyable reading anymore. Oh, I think, I think it's about finding the right genre and then you can get really into it. I like drama or murder mystery movies. So maybe I would like those books, but I don't know. I uh, just, it's I'm, low I'm on gonna, my list. I'm going to put in one more plug to our listeners. If you've got book, good book recommendations, send them in so we can get Wes reading again. Cause it is really fun when you can find something that you really enjoy. Attending theater productions. Attend. That is something I, I do love and will forever love. Wow. Oh All right. I, that to me is a solid one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't go to the Wait, theater. Music? Even those. Oh, Hamilton. One. No. One. Yep. Oh, it's such a good time. Nap I love time. it. Oh my, actually, you know, so. I've been to the Nutcracker like four times in my life. I've never seen more than 10 minutes of it. I always fall asleep immediately as a child, as a teenager, as an adult. I don't know what it is. Not Weird. a theater guy. I mean. Skiing. 
I'm going to give it a five because I will go and enjoy a day of it. I have a friend who lives out in Utah, which is super convenient. Um, and, and I can go and enjoy that for one day. And then I'm tired and sore and I want to sit by a fire. Biking. So like mountain biking or generally biking? Mountain biking. Oh, mountain biking is a one. Zero one. interest. Absolutely no. <laughs> How about just regular road cycling? Oh, road cycling also sounds terrible. I would be down to get a beach cruiser at the beach and like cruise around. Okay. That is the kind of biking that I enjoy. Right, it's like, so like she's some... really taking some liberties with that core pursuit. Yes. I don't even know if you could. I don't think it counts as a core pursuit. Let's keep that. Running slash marathons. Oh, God. One, one, one. Zero interest. How do I? Less than one. <laughs> Travel. 10. Love it. Love traveling. Where's your favorite place you've been last year? Where are you going this year? Oh, in the last year. Okay. In the last year, I did some really cool trips. I actually, I went to Costa Rica with my family. Um, we were actually, the whole family was there for a week and then we, and my mom and I just stayed for a second week there. We were really lucky to get to do that. And then, um, and I actually went to New Mexico with my mom as well on a trip later in the year. So those were two like really cool, really special trips. My mom also just retired. So it was, I was really lucky to be able to steal a lot of her time. All right. So here's what I'd love people to do. The, the, what, what Mallory and I just did, and we, we did a quarter of this list, not even a quarter of this list. Imagine going down this list. And by the way, this was a hundred percent impromptu. We have never talked about any of this. We've never gone through this list. Imagine you sitting down as a family over the holidays or whenever and just going through this list and having your family, friends, kids, whoever, just do what we just did. Rate these like interest level. Uh, that's a 10. That's a one. That's a 10. That's a five. I, by the way, I'm surprised that fishing is so high on your list. That's cool. I was, I'm surprised that you're at a 10 on reading and I'm so low. You were surprised that I'm a one on theater, but a 10 on skiing, snowboarding. But it's cool just to kind of get to understand what we love and what we could spark to do in the future as we strip away our pretenses on what we should do, could do, will do, and start thinking more like kids and beginners that we can try any of these. And some of them are maybe way out of left field when you first think about it, but could end up being a new starter on your core pursuit roster. With that, in honor of March Madness this year, we actually did a Core Pursuits March Madness bracket, 64 different Core Pursuits, all seated, one through 16, four regions squaring off to make it to the final four to crown a champion Core Pursuit. We still don't know what that will be. You can find that on our Facebook page, the Retire Sooner Facebook page, and our Instagram through the Retire Sooner podcast. Comment and vote on your favorite core pursuits. Voting's open now. You're going to have an amazing amount of conversation and thought around what might be next for you. Hey, y'all. This is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure.
This podcast is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment or financial planning considerations. Please refer to the full disclosure in the podcast description for any additional information.